Hey guys, it's Seth. Just letting you know that this episode was recorded on Thursday morning, so when it comes to our predictions, you guys are actually ahead of us. But still, it's a really fun listen, so without further ado, it's time for Outside Baseball. Deals, and Bonds hits one high! It's a deep! It is out of here! The drive in the air to deep right field! That ball headed toward the wall! That ball is out of here! Out of here! It's out of here! It's out of here! Out of here! Outside Baseball with Seth Nevsky and Drew Frank. Hello and welcome to Outside Baseball. My name is Seth Nevsky and with me through the power of Zoom is my co-host Drew Frank. Drew, how's it going? Going well, going well. Uh, The division series well underway and uh, looking forward to watching more baseball today and then the big finale of the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm real excited about both of those things. Uh, we're both big The Boys fans. Uh, dare I say, the best show of all time. Just kidding, but it is pretty cool. And uh, and yeah, a lot of baseball. Uh, it's especially important now that basketball is winding down for me. So now I'm probably going to be watching a few games a day, or uh, you know, at least while we still have a few games to have. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, this is our first show we'll be submitting to Spirit Live, so maybe we should give just a, a little explanation as to what this is. You mind doing that, Drew? Sure, yeah. So Seth, the voice you just heard, big basketball fan, and we played together back in, I believe it was 2015 or 16 for a couple of years, somewhere around there. Maybe a little earlier, actually. 2014, somewhere around there. We played for a couple mm-hmm. years of baseball. Since then... Your baseball kind of fell off as you've paid more attention to basketball, whereas I've really only followed baseball for the past decade or so. So premises that on certain topics, certain subjects, um, Seth will have maybe some gaps where his baseball knowledge fell off since 2016, 2017-ish, and I'll try to help fill in where possible. Thank you very much for that explanation, Drew. So there are any audience members uh, who, why did I say audience members? Should have just said listeners. If there are any listeners who, like myself, kind of faded out of baseball and are looking to get back into it, hopefully you could listen for my POV and uh, people who know baseball and are experienced baseball fans, uh, they could look through Drew's POV and just make fun of how dumb I am. So I think that that's, that's kind of the, uh, the dynamic on the show, I feel. Hey, I mean, not that I, you outwardly say I'm that dumb. <laughs> well, I even feel like for today's episode, when I was trying to find people that you wouldn't be overly familiar with, I feel like we're making progress because there are a lot of names that like I, I wanted to go to, but I feel like just from the past twenty or the past nineteen episodes, we've we've made some good progress. Yeah, for sure. And there are a few names in this sheet that you sent me that I do know. So just a couple spoilers there. Uh, So basically this episode, we're going to be going through all of the DS series because by the time we are recording this, which is Thursday morning, uh, there are still games to be played in all of them. And Drew's going to be giving me his X factor for every series. But the one caveat is it is someone who I wouldn't know. Uh, I guess in this case, I'm the casual baseball fan. So someone the casual baseball fan wouldn't know. We're also just going to go through the series in its entirety. Drew's going to give me a nice prediction uh, my Marlins and Padres are still in it, but neither of them have won a game. So hopefully they win, just so I get my Jokes World Series prediction. 
Uh, shout out Astros as well for that. They they're are looking up to one though. Yeah. yeah, they're they're looking like the old Astros with the garbage cans, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm. I hope that they win. I really want to see people upset. So do you want to start with uh, Marlins versus Braves? Sure. Yeah. Um, so for the Braves and also kind of for the Dodgers when we get there, these two these two teams are both so deep and so talented. And as, especially as we get later in the series where you're not going to see the high leverage games giving much chances to the lesser names. So kind of the most under the radar guy that I'm going to point to is Kyle Wright because he hasn't pitched in the postseason. We haven't seen him all postseason. He's never done it in the past. Former first round pick. And he finished his year really strong after a tough start. He was getting lit up. He had an ERA around the 10 mark for a while there. But in his last three starts against the Nationals, the Mets, and the Red Sox, he only allowed five earned in 19 innings. That's pretty good. We know their bats are really strong. So I think if Kyle Wright gives them a good start in Game 3, they can just get it done today before they have to worry about who's pitching Game 4 or 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm looking at the numbers, and... I mean, you're right in that they just do not look impressive at no. all. No. Uh-huh. And basically, every time he's played in the majors, starting in 2018, he's just had some awful ERAs and FIPS and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess he is sort of an X factor. Uh, do you think he still kind of has that potential that you were speaking of before, being so highly drafted? Yeah, he's, he's still very young. And you mentioned a couple seasons before – those seasons were essentially nothing. There's such short sample sizes where he only got a handful of starts. And through his career, he still only started in just 19 games. Sorry, just 12 games if you take out the relief appearances. So still very young, very fresh. He'll be going to his age 25 season next year. There's lots of time left for him. But, of course, if he can factor in now and help in the 2020 run, it's going to go a long way for the Braves. So only 19 games, only 12 starts, and yet negative .6 WAR on his yeah. career. Just looking at that, and yeah, like the K per nine, the walks per nine, uh, especially compared to the K per nine, do not look great. But I'm excited to see what happens with him in this series for sure. Uh, do you have anything to say about just the Braves, Braves' performance in general in this series, being that now they're up 2-0 on the Marlins? Well, the big stat that I thought was really cool, they dropped it on MLB Network's broadcast yesterday. The Braves are the first team in all of postseason history to shut out their opponents in three of their first four games. They shut out the Reds in both of the wildcard games, and then they shut out Miami last night to the nothing. So the whole thing for them has been the pitching staff, whether it's Ian Anderson or um, the big gun Max Freed. They've looked really good, and the bullpens looked really good. So the bats are alive, but the pitching is what's done it so far. All right, great. Now we go to their opponent in this series, who I guess they're going to try to overcome a 2 nothing series lead uh, and keep their streak of never losing a postseason series alive, the Miami Marlins. Uh, who is your X factor for them? So first off, they are down 2-0, and they have to win today. And they've got six of Sanchez going today. I think he is a much better pitcher than Kyle Wright already. So I don't think on paper that should be too big a problem. They just have to silence the bats and, you know, not get shut out two days in a row. But to win the series, 
you basically have to bank on Sixto Sanchez, and then what it'll come down to is winning games four and five without Sanchez and without Sandy Alcantara. So it's going to be two starters that probably we haven't seen yet. Maybe they go for a bullpen day. It's looking like it's going to be Daniel Castano and Trevor Rogers as the two starters, potentially. Neither of them have pitched in the postseason. Castano is probably game four. I think I would go to him first. His last start of the year, he pitched six in the third scoreless against the Yankees. That's obviously very impressive. But to win two games in a row, you probably don't want to do a bullpen day with five straight days, no off days. You need Trevor Richards as well. He hasn't done too, too much. And if he starts, it might end up just being a bullpen day. He's only gone six innings once in his career so far. Two guys that they're not looking overly promising. But if they deliver and they can be that X factor, they could save the Marlins season. Yeah, so I had a question about Rogers, and and I saw you you put it in notes. He is not related to <laughs> Mirror Image Twins, uh, Taylor Rogers or Tyler Rogers. So yeah, uh, that kind of just takes me down with him in general. Like I'm <laughs> I'm less high on him uh, for sure because of that. And also another note you wrote here, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, middle name Jadaniel. Uh, yeah. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know we love our middle names. We love our are cool, uh, unique first and middle names. And I think Jadaniel is pretty high on that list for sure. Yeah, I had to do my research. I, I didn't think he was related to them, but Taylor Rogers, Tyler Rogers, Trevor Rogers, yeah. you could see You'd like if that was it. their naming trend. <laughs> yeah, maybe instead they just, if they had another kid, they replaced the syllable. So they keep the T and the lure. So it's Toiler. That doesn't sound like a good name. <laughs> That's a, a lot like toilet, but I don't know. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, Taller, perhaps. I, I'm just throwing stuff out there. If the Rogers uh, parents somehow have another baby, uh, come to us. We'll think of a solid Teeler name for them, for sure. No, but realistically, Trevor is probably the closest you're going to get. You have the T, you have the, the er at the ends. Like it, it does tie together nicely. It does, but, you know, it's not quite as connected as Taylor or Tyler. Right. And by the way, why do parrots even do that with twins? Like, that just seems mean. Because you're already uh, c- going to confuse them, probably, in general. And then you give them the two most well, similar I, names I'd you could have at top of that. I hope you're not confusing your twins. <laughs> at least from the start. you got to assume, like, when you first have twins, you're just naming one the other. And, you know, that a couple times in a row until they just settle into names after a certain while. Like, you, I think you, you get, like, you know, you birth a pair of twins, and then you name them, and then, quite honestly, for the first, what, three months? you Those are pretty interchangeable. They haven't developed personalities yet. And so, yeah, you could kind of make that swap until something fits, I feel. What a but, horrible parent. <laughs> how is that horrible? Like, tell me why that's wrong. Uh, there's so many, like, the birth certificates you know, raising them, it's like, you still have to acknowledge them, and you, yep, like, to raise a kid, you can't just throw them, like, yeah, just call a name, Sue responds, hope for the best, it doesn't really, like, (laughs) what's the whole plan there, I don't, I don't follow. Okay, look, here, here's the plan, here, here, here's what I'll say about this, 
They're they're like three months in. Like I said, if up to three months, they haven't developed a personality. You don't know who's going to be more of a Taylor, who's going to be more of a Tyler. So really, like at that point, does it really matter? I'm not saying when they develop personalities, still go interchangeable. But at that point, what's the deal? What's the big deal with that? I think that's a reach. I, I think if you're having twins, you're raising them, you uh, you care enough to give them names. <laughs> yeah, but then you name them the same thing. They're the ones that did it. If one was like Taylor and the other was Greg, like, you know, less confusion there. I feel like they did this to themselves. They're, they're, I have a couple friends, I guess three friends from high school that are triplets. Haran, Sharon, and Sharania. Yeah, that's too close for me. I don't know. Yeah. I just... And plus, there are those families, they all go, like, different names, but start with the same letter. I, I don't mind that as much. Oh, like, the uh, Roger worst Clemens. is Roger Clemens. Have you yeah. heard about that? It's all K's because he strikes <laughs> people out. That seems, like, so selfish and egotistical to have, I think, four or five kids and then name them after your profession. I don't know. That seems <laughs> That seems a little much for me. Yeah, like, if you were a lawyer, you wouldn't do that. And what would be the lawyer letter there? I don't know, but... You know, yeah, it's it's very based on his his abilities as a player, which is kind of odd. I'm trying to see if I could find the names for Roger Clemens. But at the very least, like, I'd assume they are different names. Oh, yeah, Casey was in the Jays organization. They are actually more similar names than I thought. So he has Cody Clemens. He is Kobe Clemens. He is Casey Austin Clemens. He is Corey Allen Clemens. And then I guess they ran out of K names, even though I could think of probably at least three off the top of my head. Uh, Cody Alec Clemens, who is different from Cody Clemens. And, but still spelled with a K? Yeah, always got to be spelled with a K. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he didn't even do, like, Cody with an IE at the end for one of them. So, yeah, just same first name. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's... I, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's it's not great, but, uh, you know, Taylor and Tyler, I think that's a whole nother level. Uh, but, oh, well, oh, well, it, it happened. It's in the past. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the Marlins Brave series? No, I mean, I, I do think that they do push it to a fourth game. I do like Sixto Sanchez going today, but winning a series against a team like Atlanta, I think this series is basically done. Oof, so... The Marlins will have lost their first postseason series, which in a way is a good thing, right? Because sometimes you want to contend without necessarily winning the World Series, being that, you know, their World Series wins are pretty far from today. Yeah. Yeah, and for Atlanta, I mean, they, they break a street uh, stretch too. This is the first time, if they win, since 2001 that they'll be in the championship series. Despite all the success they've had, all the divisions they've won, they just can't get through the DS. So if they do it, that would matter a whole lot for them, too. Yeah, and they'll be very cheerful about losing to a team from Southern California. <laughs> so that brings us to uh, the Dodgers versus Padres series. Right now, the Dodgers are up to zip. I believe, and Drew, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe outside of the Dodgers, the Padres were kind of the second favorite coming out of the NL to, you know, make the World Series. By some people, it was pretty wide open after the Dodgers. I had the Cubs because I thought the rotation would be really, really talented in the postseason. Oof. And it was. It was just the bats <laughs> were horrendous. Um, I think Atlanta was probably the second team 
just because you knew the Padres would have to go through facing a higher seed because they had no chance at the division. Um, but yeah, they were definitely up in that conversation for a lot of the year. Mm-hmm. They certainly have a lot of talent. Do you want to start with the Padres? Uh, you know, big factor player, and then we could get into the Dodgers. Yeah, so this is a team where I wanted to go with Adrian Morahan because he's going today, but we've talked about him, I think, on two or three different episodes. Same with a guy like Denelson Lamette, who could be an X-Factor if he comes back healthy. So instead, I'll go with Garrett Richards, another arm, because I think that's what this is going to come down to. The Padres' offense is pretty dynamic, it's pretty consistent, and we know they're going to be going up against tough pitching, but I think the way they beat the Dodgers is by finding a way to shut down their bats instead. You know pitching generally perceived to be more important when you come to playoff time, and without Lamette and Clevenger, who I'm not sure if you saw, but Clevenger is basically yeah. done. Uh, he said post game after his start that he could feel his elbow or the bones in his elbow rubbing together. It's like, oh, that Jeez. there's no way he's pitching. So mm-hmm. Garrett Richards is the guy that I'm looking at. We know Morahan's only goes maybe two, three, four at absolute most today. So it's going to be a bullpen day, and it's game three. They have Paddock tomorrow, but if he doesn't give much depth, then maybe another bullpen day? Hopefully not. And then game five, it's probably another opener, and you hope for the best. So they need some length. They're breaking records for most pitchers used. Tingler is getting creative with it when he's not ejected already. That's what and he does. <laughs> I, I think Garrett creative. Richards could be a guy he needs. Yeah, and I mean, he hasn't had that bad a year this year, you know, especially compared to, you know, when he pitched 8.2 innings in 2019 uh i'd assume that's just injury though but yeah this year he's been pretty solid but perhaps i should sound the alarms on this because i I was aware of who garrett richards was so boom you already failed the x-factor test yeah i I wasn't sure if you'd heard of kyle wright as well back there (laughs) yeah i did not hear of kyle wright you know he's kind of a newbie to the to the mlb scene so that's why. But Garrett Richards has been in it for a while. Let me just pull up how long he's been in. 2011. Yeah, 2011. Is when he made his major league debut. And yeah, he's been, I mean, outside of injury years, he's been solid throughout his entire career. So yeah, I guess I'm looking forward to see how he's used. Uh, and now the Dodgers. They're up 2-0, so I'm not sure if they really need that much of an X factor right now. And it seems like, you know, with the shortened season, all their awful postseason luck is kind of you know, gone away. They swept the Brewers in two games, which is a weird thing to say, but that's how the MLB structured their playoffs. And now they're up 2-0 on the Padres, who, you know, a lot more talented than the Brewers, no offense. So yeah, it seems like they're just going through the NL pretty easily so far, but who's their X factor? Well, this is a team that they are so well known and so talented and deep that they don't really have any under the radar guys because everyone has put themselves on the radar if they're going to get a chance in a game like this up 2-0 I think it's Gonsolin today but they haven't announced a starter officially if he doesn't uh, go today it's going to be Urias probably one of those two names that we know by now we've talked about both of them on the podcast this year already so instead we look at Kenley Jansen because he could be done as their closer. I mean, we saw in the first round, the wildcard round, they didn't go to him in the save situation, even though he's fully rested. They go to Gratterall, who gets it done. 
Last night, he inherits a 6-3 lead in the ninth inning. Quickly gives up two runs, a couple balls hit in the gap. He was pulled with the tying run on base. They would end up making it 6-5 with the tying run on third, winning go-ahead run on second, and just about complete the comeback, but Joe Kelly got out of it. And his, his velo is a thing that a lot of people are worried about. His cutter averaged 91 this year, which it had averaged higher in the past. But last night, he threw one as low as 86.8, which is way down. I, I think he's someone you watch because assuming they don't blow this 2-0 lead, that's going to be a factor in both the CS and, if they make it, the World Series. Yeah, so as you're probably aware, like, of course, I know who Kenley Jansen is. So I yeah. think for this one, you just disregarded my rule entirely, which is fine. I'll get there, it. There's no other option. This team's too deep. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's fine. But yeah, it seems like just looking at the numbers here, he has been good this year and basically from 2018 to 2020, he just hasn't been Jansen of the past who is, what, like a top five reliever? Yeah, at one point he was the best closer in baseball. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's it's not bad, but I guess they're just they're that good that they probably won't need to depend on him as much going forward. Yeah, and they have a lot of guys that they want to do a closer by committee type thing, they can. It's just, it's a whole lot different than knowing for sure if you've got the ninth inning locked up by a closeout guaranteed reliever. Yeah, oh well. Uh, he, he's aging like, uh, you know, some other pitchers recently who have aged. Uh, but at least he's still effective at this point in his career at age 33. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like a quick decline from if he's already lost the closer role. But, uh, again, it's not certain. He could bounce back. He could get more chances. It's just last night did not help him out. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, even like in the last three years, ERAs of 3.01, 3.71, 3.33. So, you know, he yeah. could still have a job for a while if he wants. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, do you want to move to the AL now? Sure, yeah. So, in I, I guess the series we already talked about a little bit, going to that Houston series first, the reason that I'm not fully sold on them completing this is because Zach Ranke is not available as of right now. He felt some discomfort, and he the last update was that on Tuesday he threw off flat grounds, but that's not overly encouraging. The doctors haven't cleared him to go. So Houston, who played today, still haven't announced a starter their game is we're less than four hours away from first pitch at the time of recording, and we still don't know who they're throwing out there. So that's who the wild card is going to be, the X Factor. Who starts today in game four? Who starts tomorrow in game five? The two names I've got, Christian Javier, who is probably the better option, but they plan to use him as a reliever. He's not stretched out. He already pitched in this series. He pitched an inning in relief in game one. And the other option, Luis Garcia, a younger, rawer pitcher who has never appeared in a postseason game, doesn't have much Major League experience at all. I don't know if you have a better option. Garcia wasn't even on the wild card roster. He's not the guy they thought would be a big piece of this team. But if they don't have a starter, Oakland could definitely complete the comeback. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like this year in general, there's just a lot more almost emergency and mystery starters than playoff past. Well, I think it's because, first off, you have more random teams that don't have a solid rotation. Like Miami, Houston, those aren't playoff teams. And so you wouldn't see that now. 
because they wouldn't even be here now. But also, a lot of pitchers have struggled with the shorter ramp-up with the abbreviated summer camp, the fewer off days. And now that we're in the postseason, you can't do what Washington did and have Corbin, Strasburg, Scherzer pitch almost every single game. You need a variety because you have five days, no off days, and you just some teams aren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to move to the A's X-Factor? Sure, yeah. So uh, another guy that I'm not sure if he passes your test. Does, is Chad Pinder someone you're familiar with? He's on the border. Like I, I feel like I've heard of him, but I couldn't tell you anything about him. Yeah, he's kind of kicked around a, a, well, a, a fair bit over the past four or five years. I mean, he's been in the league for some time, but never really an impact player per se. Uh, you tell the guy he can play around the infield, he can give you quite a bit, but all of a sudden in the playoffs, he has been a great hitter for them. Last night, he had a huge three-run shot to tie the game, and eventually they would go on to win it, but Houston had a commanding three-run lead. Moving late into the game, they already knocked out Oakland's starter. It was looking like they might just sweep them. Oakland stays alive thanks to Chad Pinder. He started in the eight hole in the first wildcard game. He's been bumped all the way up to hitting third in each of the last four games, slashing wow. 389, 429, 778 through 21 plate appearances so far, which is a decent amount. And now Lestella's hurt. He left yesterday's game. He's basically going to be guaranteed playing time. It looks like he could be a, a big difference maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess I'm excited to see that. And you said that, you know, uh, you're still pretty concerned about the Astros' chances. So do you think that because of that, uh, the A's are going to overcome this 2-1 series lead by the Astros and get to the ALCS? The problem is that the A's themselves don't have a big, like, a big gun left in the rotation to go. It's going to be Frankie Montes today who has had flashes and has looked good, but to bet on a two-game comeback, I don't know. I I still I'm optimistic. I've got Oakland winning today and I think I take them in the series, but it's like we talked about in the best of 3 when you when you have to win two games in a row, it's a tough spot to be in and uh obviously Houston's still more likely, but Oakland I still like. All right. I, I think that that's probably the healthiest way to summarize it, to be honest. I just think in general, when a team is leading in a series, they will probably win. Yeah, yeah I like how you put it about, you know, if you have them to win this game, then, hey, game five, it's anyone's game. Well, and especially if it's a, a best of seven, a 2-1 lead, you can overcome. Yeah, for A best sure. of five is a whole lot tougher when there's no off days in between either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything goes so quick, especially with the no-off days. Just because, yeah. hey, it's a lot of sports, but I, I'm pretty happy about that, being that for months we had nothing except for, you know, uh, horse games done over Zoom, essentially. Well, baseball's done in just over two weeks now because how fast the schedule is. Yeah, I, I was discussing this on uh, my other podcast, Bubble Ball, shout out to that. And I was thinking, like, should I become a EuroLeague basketball fan? <laughs> should I delve into football, which I never have before? Because those are essentially going to be my two best options. So I'm still kind of debating in my head which way to go. Well, the European League's probably a safer bet than football in terms of what's going to actually be carried out to the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, with all those COVID cases, it's not looking great. Now we're on to the Rays-Yankees series. 
And this was probably, I think, you know, between this and the Dodgers-Padres, one of the more hyped-up series, or one of the two most yep. hyped-up series of the DSs. And right now, the Rays are beating the uh, the the bad bad boy Yankees. I was trying to think of something better than that, but oh well, I couldn't. We'll go uh, right it. now, they're leading in the series 2-1. to one. And it's weird because the Rays both seem like the underdog and the overdog. And I know that's not a word. Uh, overcat, perhaps. The I big dog. Yeah, the big dog in the series because, you know, they led the AL East. But at the same time, you know, Yankees were kind of banged up then. Uh, they dominated the Indians in, in the wild card series. And they were looking pretty good up to this point. But right now, Rays up 2-1. Uh, so, who do you think is the Rays X factor to close this out? Well, I mean, it's it's got to be the guy that's been doing it for them so far. I've got Randy Rosarina, which I, another name I was on the fence. I think he went, he might have passed the test, but we've talked about him. I want to say on an episode, is that correct? Uh, I think I've heard that name. But so Similar we'll say it passes. The, uh, it's a half pass. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the number one seeds, most of the division winners, you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone that's going to be a major contributor that you don't know just because we've either talked about them in our surprising stars, breakout season preview, postseason previews, or just it's the big-name guys that have made the team first place. So Randy Rosarina is not that guy. He just was added to the team this offseason as almost the – the second or third most talked about piece of the deal because it was Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarina going to Tampa and the Cardinals got a first round pick, which is kind of rare because you can only trade a very limited amount of them in baseball and Matt Libertoire, who is a pretty high end pitching prospect. So a lot of people thought this looks like a trade that the Rays might be losing but it turns out everyone was sleeping on a Rosarina. He has come alive in the playoffs. 12 for 20 so far with three homers, two doubles, a triple, two walks. He's only struck out twice in all of that. Hit another home run last night, just demolishing everything he sees. It's a lineup that's very deep. And while they may not have a judge that ties it all together in the middle... It's the fact that they're so deep that makes them hard to beat, hard to pitch against, especially in the late innings. And if a guy like a Rosarina can keep it up, it's going to go a long way for them. All right, for sure. And now who do you have for the Yankees? So this is this is tough because I don't really know if there's a greater plan here. But the Yankees, seems it seems like Aaron Boone has messed up his pitching plan because he had... David Garcia go in game two, and that's our X factor because I think we see him again, but I, I don't know. So what he did was he had Garcia go game two because the Rays have a lot of platoon lefty-righties. So Garcia the righty went, and Cash put five righties or five lefties in his lineup, four righties. So not even that invested into putting lefties on at, at putting lefties in his lineup to face Garcia. Garcia pitches a single inning, and then Aaron Boone pulls him to put in Jay Happ. And some people thought it was because of the platoons. You throw in a righty, you fake it, you go with a lefty. But Jay Happ is not a great pitcher at the Major League level to be doing that in Game 2. The Rays, like I said, they still had five 
they had five lefties, but they still had five righties. Very talented hitters. They just demolished J-Hap on the way to winning game two. Last night, game three, Tanaka had a bit of a stinker. Didn't look great. Gave up a shot to a Rosarina to end it. Potentially his last pitch in the pinstripes. I don't know what's happening with this pitching. You gotta think there might be a, a bigger plan, but we haven't seen it. Montgomery goes today, who couldn't even get through the first inning the last time he faced the Rays. Seems like a mess. I think Garcia could get another chance, maybe long relief after Montgomery. I, I, they need something from these pitchers because you can't rely on just Cole. When there's no off days, the pitcher can't carry the same weight. All right, so this one also fails the test. I have heard of Davey Garcia, uh, and I know that for sure just because the spelling of Davey is pretty unique, D-E-I-V-I. However, I did not know his dimensions until now. Do you yep. know his height and weight? He's like 5'9", just under 200, something like that. No, it says 5'9", 163. I didn't know he was nearly yeah. that slight. So yeah. that's kind of interesting for sure. And the game two I talked about, it was him versus Tyler Glasnow, who's 6'8", <laughs> as the pitching matchup. <laughs> I like seeing that mismatch. Maybe they could take a you know, Manute Bull, Muggsy Bogue-style picture. Well, they're on opposing team, so I doubt that they'd want to. Yeah, if I was Garcia, I would not want to be taking a picture for fun after getting pulled <laughs> after one inning. <laughs> uh-huh. You're right about that. That doesn't seem all too fun. But uh, just like how you gave a prediction for the Astros A's, or I'd like to say a very nuanced and well-thought-out prediction, what's your prediction for this Rays-Yankees series? Do you think the Rays close them out? Yeah, I think tonight is huge for them because if I'm the Yankees, I – Gotta put Garrett Cole out there game five on short rest. Uh, I don't think there's much of a question. Tonight, if you can win, you don't have to face Garrett Cole. You're better off. But it's similar. They're up 2-1. I think they, they have the advantage tonight. I do like them. It's going to be a bullpen day for Tampa. But that's fine, all things considered, with how deep their pen is and how often they do that anyways. So I, I will go Tampa. I think the Yankees really messed things up by throwing away game two, by trusting Hap against that lineup. A guy that probably shouldn't have seen this series at all. Otherwise, if you put him in on a very short leash, not trusting him as your bulk guy, I think they had a chance. And Stanton has been unreal, but I think they squandered it, and it's going to be Tampa. All right, so Tampa beats the Yankees, according to Drew. And now we're going to talk about the incident between the Dodgers and the Padres. Yeah, so for anyone that wasn't able to see it, basically Dodgers were up 4-1. to one. Yeah, they're up 4-1. to one. Machado hits a home run and doesn't bat flip it. He throws it. He just chucks the bat. Very, very emphatic for a home run that's a solo shot to start the sixth inning to make it 4-2 in game two of the NLDS. Very, very emphatic, which is fine. I have no problems with that. But Machado does that. Hosmer, it's another one, makes the one-run game. Flash forward the next half inning. Brewster Gratterall on the mound gets Tatis to fly 417 feet out to center field, the deepest part of the ballpark. Bellinger reaches over the wall, makes the catch, robs a home run. Runner on base in the one-run game, that would have given the Padres the lead. Instead, innings over, and Gratterall throws his hat at his dugout, throws his glove at his dugout, walks over, picks it up, points to the sky, and starts walking off. You, you don't see that very often in baseball. 
and of all people, Machado is yelling over to him to stop, uh, throwing in some no-no words in there. Muncie gets in it, yells back at him, and it all started, I think, with the Machado bat flip, but they, the yelling all happened with the Gratterall celebration. Yeah, for sure. It got a bit chirpy. I didn't really think it would get violent, which is good. Uh, I, I'm not for violence. One would say I'm the Gandhi of baseball podcasting. Of course. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, clearly. But yeah, there's there's bad blood between like Machado and the Dodgers for sure with his little short stint there and how you know negatively that went. But at the same time, yeah, just seeing Gratterall get in the mix. This is a guy who just joined the team this year. So yeah, that was kind of odd to see him, I guess, that passionate. But hey... Uh, although I'm anti-violence, I'm very pro-passion because I want baseball to be fun. Yeah, my question, though, is what do you think about Gratterall's, I guess, celebration? Here's the thing. Like, did I think that he should have done that? No. But at the same time, like, you know, people have emotional outbursts occasionally, and I don't think you can necessarily judge him too hard for that. Uh, and then, of course, you know... Padres retaliated, Dodgers retaliated back, because that's just that's what happens. But I don't think you could judge, you know, someone based on a weird little thing that they did one time. I'm not sure where I lie, because I, I saw, like, a lot of people are saying that it's the pitcher equivalent of a bat flip, so if you're going to complain about that... I'd say it's more overt than a bat flip. Yeah, I don't know. I think the the best take I saw was uh, Barstool's Jared Carabas said that that celebration is something you'd see for the final out of a World Series Game 7, not the final out of the seventh inning of the NLDS <laughs> Game 2, <laughs> which I think yeah. is true. I think... I think I like I don't mind the celebration. I'm not hold, holding against him or anything. It's just the timing I think it was a little uh, a little interesting to be going that hard to to celebrate. A, a, also, a ball that you let get launched to center field. Like, yeah, that was also confusing. <laughs> you should be like thanking Bellinger more than celebrating your own achievement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he threw it 100, but over the heart of the plate and deepest part of the ballpark, just barely. I mean, StatCast had an 86% hit probability on that ball that was launched. But, yeah, I mean, just I thought it was a really weird situation. You don't see all that often. Mm-hmm. Speaking of something Machado said in that little uh, skirmish that they had, I believe he said something to the equivalent of, I'll see you later or something like that. So yep. Drew, I'd like to ask you in your in your vast baseball career, have you ever been asked to meet someone in the parking lot, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Uh, I haven't. First off, but I'm um, I'm almost certain he meant I'll see you next inning because Machado yeah, in faced which he grounded him. out. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. Have you uh, have you been challenged to meet someone in the parking lot? Yes, yes, I have, and now you know why I brought it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even that big a story. Here's what happened. There was a guy just. So this was high school ball between my team, the Community uh, Hebrew Academy of Toronto, Richmond Hill. And yes, I know that that kind of doesn't make sense as a name, but that's just how it was called. Uh, and we were playing, I believe, I believe, not McKenzie, because that was Thomas's school. So you mm-hmm. might, you know. Hey, Mac. Yeah, it wasn't him. Uh, it was another school roughly in my area. I think maybe Thor and Lee. Uh, and we were crushing them. Like it was probably like 13-2. And I was at first base, 
and uh, my friend at the time was pitching. And then one of the guys on their bench, who, by the way, wasn't even in uniform, so he must have not been that good, but he was like, yo, their pitcher is terrible. We could get a bunch of hits off their pitcher, etc." So I just went like 13-2 or whatever the score is. I yelled that back at him. And then he was like, what'd you say? I'm like, 13-2. And he's like, I'll meet you in the parking lot after. <laughs> I'm like, fine. And then the umpire comes up to me and says, don't meet him in the parking lot. Uh, and then I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I won't, you know. I, I was very afraid of authority at the time. So just because the umpire was wearing a uniform, I'm like, okay, I must follow whatever this man says. Right. So that's my little story. Quite honestly, not that eventful. However, hey, you know, it's something that I'd assume at least a couple guys per every team have been told to meet someone in the parking lot before. Wow, and you didn't even go. What an anticlimactic ending to the story. <laughs> yeah, what? It, well, if okay, here's the other option for that story. I, so say I go, and one of two things happen. Either I win the fight, in which now I'm just telling a story on a podcast about how cool I am. Or, or B, which is I get whooped, and in that case, would I want that advertised? I don't know. I mean, at least that would have an ending. This is just a beginning, middle, and yeah, I just I mean, not there to. is an ending. It's just not good. Like, if there wasn't an ending, that would mean I'm still feuding with this guy from when I went to high school. With, He's still waiting. Uh, He's still in the uh, yeah, parking he, lot. He's been in the parking lot for like five years waiting for me. Yeah. He is. Uh huh. He has spent birthdays in the parking lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a. That's my little heated moment. I've had some heated basketball moments as well. But oh well, nobody's perfect. Uh, I believe both, though, I was coming to, to the defense of someone. So there you go. I'm a hero in this story. There you go. <laughs> uh-huh. Anything else you'd like to add now that we have officially passed the 40-minute mark on this podcast? No, I'm, I'm good on my ends. Yeah, I think next time, I think a good way to get this, probably clocking in around an hour, is uh, for bubble ball we've been doing for teams getting knocked out of the playoffs team eulogies in which we kind of hand out team awards for the teams that lost and causes of death etc etc so maybe we should do that for the ds's when these start to come to an end before next episode yeah i mean if this drops tomorrow morning or when this comes out we could already see all four teams eliminated there's four teams up against elimination today yeah for sure so stay tuned for that atop of our cs previews for next episode or not even previews or post views, more just kind of views. They should both be in the middle of their series. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Analysis, one yeah, might say. There you go. Uh-huh. Yeah, so thank you very much for listening to the Outside Baseball Podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.